Take your Bibles with me to the book of Mark, the Gospel of Mark, chapter number 4. We've been preaching on Sunday mornings about things about our God that we can be assured of and learn about. We know about ourselves and our needs, and we know about our world and the terrible things of it. But we need to learn about some things about our God and be assured of them and reminded of them. We've looked at many things about our God already, that He's the God of good. He's the God of good. We've looked about our God, that He's the God of forgiveness. He's a God who confounds. He's a God who speaks. And we want to continue, but I'm not going to be in Genesis this morning to, to, to show this and to lay it on our hearts. I believe we're directed to Mark chapter 4. I, I, want, to, I want to preach to you about the, our God in this regard, the God who cares. The God who cares. Now, that's not a humanistic statement. And that's not a statement that's all about us. It's all about God. It's so strange how some people process things. And When we talk about the God who cares, we're not trying to to just make you feel better. We're trying to let you know how wonderful God really is. Now, He can make us feel better, and He can meet our needs, but whether we feel better or not, He is still a God who cares. And that's what I want to impress upon you this morning. And I'm looking at Mark chapter 4, and I'll start reading in verse number 35. The Bible says, In the same day when the even was come, he, of course that's Jesus, he saith unto them, Let us pass over unto the other side. And when they had sent away the multitude, they took him even as he was in the ship, and there were also with him other little ships, and there arose a great storm of wind, and the waves beat into the ship, so that it was now full, and he was in the hinder part of the ship, asleep on a pillow, and they awake him, and say unto him, Master, carest thou not that we perish? You say, Pastor, what, what a strange thing. You're taking a text to tell us about how much God cares for us, and yet we're reading a text how nobody thinks he does. Verse number 39, And he arose and rebuked the wind and said unto the sea, Peace be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And he said unto them, Why are ye so fearful? How is it that ye have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said one to another, What manner of man is this, that even the wind and the sea obey him? Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we ask that you would bless your word to our hearts. Lord, we pray that you would help us all. I know that people need this message. People need this message that aren't even here today. People will need this message that are listening by way of the internet. And Lord, I pray that you would speak clearly and plainly and help us to be overwhelmed of how great you are and how much you really do care. And I pray you would teach us the lessons about these things. And Lord, we'll thank you for helping our hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. And we ask it in his name. Amen. 
I really have two points. I have a few sub-points on the first one. But I see a picture of two things in the passage that we've just read. First, I see a picture of life. Then I see a picture of Jesus. I think there are lessons to be learned about life in the text that we've read. I think there are lessons to be learned about Jesus. Lessons to be learned about our God in the text. Let's look at the picture of life, first of all. Verse number 35, the Bible says, In the same day when the even was come, he saith unto them, Let us pass over unto the other side. You know, life is a journey. It's always moving. You're never in the same place. Your life changes the circumstances of your life, the scenery of your life, the place of your life. The journey of our lives. We're on a journey. And I want you to notice, he said in verse number 35, at the end of the verse, let us pass over unto the other side. There is another side to life that you need to be aware of. Now in the context, look at just chapter 5, they get to the other side in Mark chapter 5 verse 1 and Look what it says. And they came over unto the other side of the sea into the country of the Gadarenes. And when he was come out of the ship, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit. This is the story of the maniac of Gadara and he's devil possessed and he's unclean and he's powerful. And it's a dark, dark scenario. Whereas on the other side is where they've left, if you read all of Mark chapter 4, Jesus is sitting out by the seaside. Now come here, listen, you you can't make this up, okay? In chapter 4, Jesus is sitting by the Sea of Galilee, and it's peaceful and it's quiet, and the multitudes have come to Him, and He is teaching them. And the sun is shining, and the... The blue sky is above and the pillowy white clouds are there and the peace of the sea is so evident. And all are being refreshed by the presence of the Lord and all are being instructed and fed by His Word. And the sweet Spirit of God is applying the things of God to the people and and the multitudes are gathered and you think, man, if we could just be in this situation All the time it would be wonderful, but there is another side to life. The same Jesus was that was at the Sea of Galilee on the shore, went across the sea, and on the other side there was devils. And there was darkness, and there was chaos. Now, now, what, what that tells me about life is... That you have to understand that's the way life is. It's not, it's not all sunshine and roses. And yet it's all not devils and darkness. 
Life is a journey and it takes you to another side many times. And wherever season you are, you if you're in the season where, amen, I mean the sun is just beating on your neck and the good spirit of God and you got chill bumps and everything's great and, and the peace and the presence and the joy of God is there and the multitudes are there and this I wish you'd stay. You ought to thank God for that. You ought to not uh, let that go unappreciated. You ought not take that for granted. You ought to thank the Lord how good it is to be at the serenity part of the sea. And I did a lot of us, you know, we, we failed to do that. Lord, my life is a lot more peaceful than it ought to be. Thank you, Lord, for the, for the calm sea, for the gentle breeze. Thank you for this side of my life. But at the same time, you've got to understand and not be shocked and surprised that there is another side. There is a side of life that's very painful. There is a side of life that's very unsure. There is a side of life that, that is really unknown to you. I don't know what's on. You know, over there in the Sea of Galilee, I've been there. It is a peaceful place. It is a wonderful place. I could have stayed there all day. You know, they even, they've even had a resort there uh, in Tiberias and, and because it's just a wonderful place for people to vacation. You know, life's not always a vacation. Thank God for the times of rest and peace, but it's not always that way. Because on the other side of the Sea of Galilee are the mountains and the rocks. I've seen that area where this maniac came from. There is the dark and the barren part and the cold part and the painful part. And there's a part of life that's unknown. You say, preacher, that doesn't make life so sound so wonderful. Well, it's life. It's a journey. You know, we started, look at our youth that way, I mean, you know. Some of us used to be in good health. Some of us used to be able to think better. But you know what happens? It's a journey. I see the other side of life not just being what is unknown to us and some parts are serene and some parts are chaotic. But I see this journey of life is also there's a side to life that no one knows but God. The other side of life. There are parts of life that are very public. And there are parts of life that are very private. In Mark chapter 4, you got all the public there. you got all the multitudes, all the people there. When you get to the other side, uh, there is this one man coming out of the tomb and there's a very private meeting there. And the devil, you understand? You see the contrast. You know, there are things about all of our lives that are very public, and there's things about our lives that are private. There are things that only God knows about. There are things that only maybe God cares about. He does care about both parts, but there are things that are secret and unseen and unknown. There are sins and pains and things that people deal with in life. And sometimes when you're going with, through that in life, you think that that's the only case. But no, there's another, there's another side to everybody's life. 
Is that a shock to you? Is that preaching too plain this morning? Life is not a Disneyland movie. The other side. And then I want to think about that other side of life. We've got this side of life, and you know there's another side of life. It's called eternity. This is not the only life that I have. One of these days, I am going to be absent from the body and present with the Lord. And I'm on a journey, and one day, everything is going to be different. My dad today is alive more than he has ever been alive in his life. He's on the other side of life, you see. And that's the journey we're headed on. Now, I would love to say, I'd love to be able to say that the other side of everybody's life, as in eternity, is is always a wonderful thing. But that's not the case. Jesus Christ gave us that view of the other side of life when He told us the story of a man named Lazarus and also a rich man. And He gave us the other side of both of their lives. And one opened their eyes in paradise. One opened their eyes in comfort. One opened their eyes with God and God's people. And another opened their eyes on the other side of his life with pain and torment and agony and fire and hell. So here's a question. All right, whatever's going on in your life right now, understand, there's going to be another side to your life. So many people, they're living for this side of life. You're on a journey. You're going to go somewhere. What's on the other side? What's on the other side of your, your career and the other side of your, uh, of your youth and the other side of your old age? What's on the other side of that when you meet God? What, what then? And what a contrast. It, it didn't look the same in this text. One side looked wonderful and one side looked awful. And that's the same contrast Jesus made with those two men. One side, their life looked terrible, but when it came to eternity, their life looked wonderful. And one, this side of life looked wonderful, but when it came to the other side in eternity, it looked awful. I wonder, have you thought about the other side of your life? I see a picture, I see the journey of life, and then I see the perils of life. Look at verse 37. And there arose a great storm of wind, and the waves beat into the ship so that it was now full. I want to say this to you this morning. I say it to the young people as well as older people. Life is dangerous. Life has a lot of peril. The preacher, I don't like it to be that way. Well, that's just the way it is because the Bible tells us man that is born of woman is a few days and full of trouble. We have trouble in our lives. We have trouble. And why would that, why would that surprise us? Was anybody surprised we had a storm in Alabama last week? No, you should be surprised if we would go through the whole year and we'd never have a storm. That should shock, that should shock you. Because we expect there to be storm. We expect, you know, people, I'm always... I, I kid Brother Gibson sometimes, you know, he's not from Alabama. You know, I was born here, and whenever we get a tornado watch, it's like, oh, a tornado watch. 
Well, when you, when you live and you've never, you, you didn't live through tornado watches all your life and you're not expecting them, you don't know how to deal with them, it's sort of unsettling. But when you know they're going to come, guys, we all know tornadoes are coming. They're coming this year, they're coming next year, and they're coming the next year. That's just part of life in Alabama. Now, if we lived up north somewhere, we'd expect blizzards. Now, if I get three feet of snow here, I'm going to be shocked. (laughs) But I'm not shocked about the life that I know things are coming in my life. And the Bible says this great storm of wind and waves beat into the ship so that it was now full. And there's all types of winds that are in life. There are winds of deceit and winds of lies and winds of false religion and winds of false doctrine. There's all types of waves in life. There's waves of wickedness and sin and bitterness and addiction and waves of guilt and waves of pride and waves of uncleanness. I'm telling you this morning, the winds and the waves show us the peril of life. Even look at the word the Holy Ghost puts in verse 37. Would you look at it? And there arose a great storm of wind and the waves. What's the next word? Beat into the ship. Beating on the ship. That's a picture of life. Things are beating on your life. Should not shock us. But as those things beat on our lives and beat in the ship, the Bible said in verse 37, beat into the ship, into the ship, on the inside, so that it was now full. But, you know, a lot of times if something's full, that'd be a good thing. It is a good thing here. You know everybody's life's full of something. But some people have let the waves of wickedness come into their life and it's filled up their ship with something it shouldn't be full of. Uh, you know what happens when your life gets full of the wrong thing? It, it's going to go down. Right? Now we can fill our lives. God wants us to fill our lives with that we have fullness of joy and fullness of peace and we can be full of the fruits of righteousness and we can be full of love and we can be full of long-suffering and we can be full of gentleness and goodness. We can be full of God. We can also be full of something else because there's something about the beating things of life that if you're not careful, it'll fill your ship up with something that doesn't need to be there. I'm talking about the perils of life. And some people live and they go on their way like, you know, it's not going to, it doesn't matter. Can you imagine a guy in a ship and he's in the middle of the storm and his boat's taking on water and he's just said, it'll be all right. That's what I see in society. The ship is slowly filling up with water and then think, well, I'll be all right. Maybe I'll grab a little cup and throw a little bit out. No, no, you, you, you better, you better find some other help. And then other people are so stupid they'll, 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 they'll take something and start drilling a hole in the bottom of their ship, thinking the water will go out from the bottom. Yeah, you're 
In other words, they go from bad to worse. I see a picture of life here, the journey of life, the perils of life, the need of life. Well, what's the need in the story? What does this story show me about my life? I see the problem, but what's the need? What's the answer? Look at verse number 36. Would you look at verse 36? The Bible says in verse 36, And when they had sent away the multitude, they took him even as he was in the ship. They took Jesus into their ship. Not the Jesus of their own making, not their Jesus of how they wanted Him to be, but they took Jesus as He was. Not trying to change you, not trying to make you something that I want you to be, just like you are, Jesus. That's how I need you in my ship. The Bible said in verse number 38, look at it. And he was in the hinder part of the ship. What I'm telling you is, in your journey of life, in your perils of life, the need of your life is Jesus in your life. Not just you knowing about Jesus, but you receiving Him into the ship of your life. The Lord can't help you on the shore. He needs to be in your boat. You know what? Jesus, in some people's lives, He's just in their mind. He's not in their heart. He needs to be on the inside. Christ in you. The hope of glory. Okay, preacher's going to tell us another message about how Jesus is all we need, and that's just not how it goes. Not that simple, preacher. Well, all the complicated answers you're trying to find aren't helping. Can't be that simple. That's what people tell me when I tell them, hey, if you'll repent of your sin and put faith in the shed blood of Jesus Christ, He'll save you without any of your works just by faith in the blessed Son of God. And they'll say, it can't be that easy. It's got to be more complicated than that. The whole need of this story. I know what we'll do. We will, we will start a cult called climate change and we'll stop all the storms and the waves from ever happening again. We will seed the clouds. Do you know the insanity of people today thinking they can change nature? No. That ain't the need. There's always going to be waves. There's always going to be storms. There's always going to be wind. You need Jesus in your boat. You need Him in your life. You need Him in your heart. And you need Him just like He is. People make up their own Jesus, you know. The black people have a black Jesus. The Italians have an Italian Jesus. The white people have a white people Jesus. 
We want to make Jesus how we want him. The hippies had the long hair, Jesus. We, let's, just, let's just make up our... No, no, no. He was born of a little Jewish woman. And he's just like the Bible says he is. And that's exactly the one you need. The righteous one, the holy one, the almighty one, the kind one, the gracious one, just like he is. And I see a picture of Jesus here. We see a picture of life. We see a picture of Jesus. I told you what, what my sermon was, the God who cares. The Bible says in verse number 38, And he was in the hinder part of the ship, asleep on a pillow. And they awake him and say unto him, Master, carest thou not that we perish? I I learned something about Jesus in this text. I learned that a lot of times it looks like God doesn't care. Can you get that in the text? Let me ask you a question. When Jesus went to the back of the boat to go to sleep, do you think that he was not aware of what was coming? Do you think he wasn't aware? I mean, if he knew what people were thinking when they were thinking it, he probably was aware of what was coming. So the question is, why did he go to sleep? Why didn't he stay right there and get it? So, all right, boys, come together now. Now, listen, there's coming a storm. But I'm here, I'm going to take a little nap, but as soon as it happens, I'm going to come out, I'm going to take care of it all. He did not do that. Doesn't that look a little uncaring? You know, you could have warned us about this. Does that look a little uncaring? Let me ask you a question. If, If you think you're about to die, and the only person that can help you is asleep, do you think that looks a little uncaring? Let me ask you, I'm going to ask you another question. Have you ever had a, tried to have a serious discussion with somebody and you're trying to talk to them and while you're talking to them, they're going to sleep? How convinced were you that they were interested in what you're talking about? If they're going to sleep, Jesus goes to sleep. So naturally, they're going to wake him up. Carest thou not that we perish? How can you sleep? I don't even know what's wrong with you. You've got to know that this boat is a-rocking and the winds are blowing. We're not on a cruise ship here. How can you be asleep? Sure does look like you don't care, Lord. Would you hold your finger there? Somebody else said that to Jesus. Would you look at Luke chapter 10? You know the devil attacks us in so many ways and this is one of them. And our mind attacks us in so many ways and this is one of them. Mm. Oh, I'll, I'll say it, Lord, if you want me to say it. <laughs> Church, Dear friend that's without Jesus Christ here today, 
God is not trying to prove to you that he cares. He's just trying to get you to believe it. God has nothing to prove. If he did not calm the wind and the waves and the sea, that still doesn't change what was in his heart for them. Doesn't have to prove that. I believe he does prove to us his care. I'll get to that at, maybe at the end of the sermon. But in Luke chapter 10, the Bible said in verse number 38, that came to pass. Because listen, this is not just about the Christian life. This is about lost people. You know how many people that aren't saved today won't get saved and won't come to God because they don't believe God gives a flip about them. And they believe the lie. God doesn't care about me or my life wouldn't be so messed up. Why should I get saved? He's never been interested in me. Luke chapter 10, verse 38, the Bible says, Now it came to pass as they went, they had entered a certain village, and a certain woman named Martha received him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Mary was cumbered about with much serving, and came to him and said, Lord, dost thou not care that my sister had left me to serve, watch it, alone? Don't you care that I'm alone? Don't you care that my life is hard? Don't you care that this is unfair? I don't believe you care because you're just sitting there. Sometimes it looks like Jesus doesn't care. A man came to Jesus Christ, said, My brother's taken away all the inheritance. At least speak to him that he'll divide it with me. You know what the Lord said? He said, Man, what have I have to do with you? Read it. It looked like he didn't care. No, he cared, but he cared about something a whole lot more than that inheritance. Here comes a Syrophoenician woman begging Jesus for help. Doesn't even answer. Doesn't look like he cares. They're in the storm. Master, carest thou not that we perish? I see something else in that verse 38 of Mark chapter 4, if you're back there. The Bible says, and he was in the hinder part of the ship. You know, everything in the Bible is there on purpose. Why is Jesus in the back? Why is he in the background? Why is he in the hinder part? Why can't we find him? Why isn't he in the forefront of this issue? Why isn't the Lord getting more involved in my problems? Why does he get more involved in the problems of this world? You know what I'd say to that? Maybe he's not asked. Maybe he's asleep waiting for somebody to ask him. You know how many problems in this world people never bring to God? Here's what I want to say to you about this picture of Jesus. The question is not, does he care? The question is, are you going to go find? The question is not, does he care? The question is, are you going to call out for him? These perils have not arisen because of him. Satan is the prince of the power of the air. The problem, look, you know what? God, this same Jesus, the Bible said that God created all things by Jesus Christ. You know what Jesus Christ created? You know what kind of world he made? He made a world that there were no storms. 
There were no thunderstorms. There were no, I'm talking about the world Jesus made. And he put Adam and Eve there. There were no tornadoes. There were no hurricanes. There weren't any frigid temperatures. There wasn't any temperatures that were too hot. There were not any thorns on roses. There were not any desert places. There weren't any barren places. When Jesus Christ made everything, He made it a paradise. He made it perfect. And you and I said, we want our own life. You said, preacher, I didn't say that. Oh, yes, you did. It's just like the fact that, you know, when G- our sins nailed Jesus to the cross. If you'd have been there, you'd have, put, you'd, you'd, you'd have nailed Him too. The Bible says our, our sins were, it was our sins that nailed Him. We're guilty. Don't, don't think that we would be any better than our father Adam and our mother Eve. I want a different way. All right. You get winds, you get waves, you get storms. But I didn't do that. Jesus didn't do that. Man did that and the devil did that. I wish people would start blaming who really is the problem. But boy, man likes to blame God and say, I just don't think he cares. No, quit asking that and won't you go ask him for help. Well, I've done that. We'll do it again. Well, I've done it again. We'll do it again. How many baths have you taken this year? Why you keep doing it? Because you still need it. Master, carest thou not that we perish? I see a lesson of Jesus. Sometimes he's in the background. Sometimes he looks like he's asleep. Sometimes he looks like he's not involved. But he's waiting on you to call to him. He will not force himself in our lives. He does care, but he's wanting something from us. Would you look at verse number 39? Mark four thirty-nine says, And he arose and rebuked the wind and said unto the sea, Peace be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. But the story's not over. The story's not over. The problem is not just getting the wind to stop. That's not the issue. And he said unto them, Why are ye so fearful? How is it that ye have no faith? The question is not... Does he care? The question is, will I trust him? Can I trust him? You know what I really think some people in their prayers, all they want is for God to get them out of a situation. They're not trying to develop greater faith in the God that loved them. I'm talking about all of us. You know why we pray? Many times, I was dead dog sick last week at that missions conference. Man, I threw up my toenails, man. I'm telling you, I was sick, buddy. I was bad. 
had a blood infection and stuff going on, and I, I said, oh, God. <laughs> but was I praying because I wanted to be able to preach with power that evening, or was I praying because I wanted to feel better? What's my motive? Jesus said, here's the problem, guys. It's not that I don't care for you. It's that you can't trust me. Do you guys really think the ship's going down with me in the boat? Do you think we're really in that much danger? Why don't you have faith? Faith that I have power. Faith that I do care. You know, a lot of times our our trust in God, that we have a God who cares, we do by faith. But everything we do with God, we have to do by faith. I can only believe God that there even is a God if I exercise faith in Him. I can't see Him. I'm only saved by faith. He didn't come down and give and, and, and you know make a declaration to me personally. I just have his word that I have to believe. And when I travel through life, he's get trying to get me to trust him. And we never learn to trust him just on the serene shores of the Sea of Galilee with a peaceful day. question isn't does does he care the question is will I call out to him the question isn't does he care the question is will I trust him the question isn't will he does he care the question is now watch this now verse 41 verse 41 and they feared exceedingly now they're more afraid of him than they are the storm did that just jump over the text 41, and they feared exceeding. Why? Because he just said to them, why is it you have no faith? They just saw his power. They just saw his glory. And then he turns to them and says, why don't you guys trust me? And they feared exceedingly and said one to another, watch this, what manner of man is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? Who is this? Stepped out on that boat and said, peace be still. And Can't happen that quick. Sorry, already did. Can't get fixed that quick. Sorry, already happened. But here's the thing. Watch it, watch it. The sea obeyed him. By, by the way, the Bible said he rebuked the wind. He rebuked the wind. You know, for some things to calm down, there needs to be a rebuke. That's a different sermon. I'm going to move right over that. He rebuked the wind. You know what that tells me? That tells me even the creation gets out of bounds sometimes. If he has to rebuke the wind, <laughs> I wonder how much we need a rebuke. <laughs> because when he rebuked the wind, I'll give the wind the credit with this. It listened. Yeah. Yes, sir. Quit that. Okay. (laughs) You don't have to say it twice. (laughs) See, peace, be still. Oh, yes, sir, sorry. (laughs) What manner of man is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? 
I tell you what manner of man it is. It's a manner of man that cares, but the question is, not does he care for you. The question is, will you obey him? All creation obeys Jesus Christ. But man is a different story. The question is, don't you care, God? Don't you care? The question is, am I going to do what God told me to do? Am I going to say, yes, Lord? Am I going to say, I'm sorry, Lord? Whatever you say, Lord, you have the sway of my heart, my mind, my life, my decisions. You are in charge. That's the question. See, we ask the wrong questions. But I end with this this morning. Would you go to 1 Peter chapter 5? I'm finished. Thank you for your good attention. But I give you this verse. A God who cares, yes. But will I call out to him? Will I trust him? And will I obey him? Those are the real questions. But he does care. You say, preacher, how do you know he cares? Well, you don't, you don't measure that based upon what's going on in your life. You don't based upon that on what's, how you reason it to be. The Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse number 7, casting all your care upon him for he careth for you. You know how I know he cares? He said he did. And he cannot lie. And again, the question is not does he care, but will I take my care to him? Preacher, how do I know Jesus cares for me? Because he left heaven for you. You said, Preacher, how do I, how do I know that Jesus really cares for me? I, I, you know, I'm not even saved. And how do I really know he cares? Because he became poor for you. How am I convinced that Jesus really is even interested and God even cares about humanity because He sent His only begotten Son and Jesus Christ died that we would not perish? He did much more than just try to make our lives comfortable. He stretched out His hands and He bled and He died and He gave Himself for us. And He's still stretching out His hands to people that won't believe Him and won't love Him and that blaspheme His name. He still cares about humanity. Though they do not think of Him, He thinks about them. All you have to do is take a little trip to Calvary. If you want to know how much he cares. So does Jesus care? When my heart is pained. Too deeply. For mirth and song. As the burdens press and the cares distress and the way grows weary and long.
Oh, yes, he cares. I know he cares. His heart is touched with my grief. When the days are weary, the long nights dreary, I know my Savior cares. I just need to get to Him. I need to trust Him. And I need to obey Him.